Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 God is good. Amen? Amen. Amen. All the time. All the time. Thank you so very much, worship team, and all that you guys do. Hey, this morning we're going to start a new series today. We're going to talk about surviving to thriving. How do we go from surviving to thriving in the Christian life? We're going to do a five-week series, Lord willing, and as the Spirit leads, uh, surviving to thriving. And what does that look like today? Anybody ever feel like giving up? Okay, good. Room full of honest people. Uh, Maybe sometimes our endurance is lacking And maybe sometimes we are just simply functioning in life, but we're not really flourishing in life. And uh, I want to talk about over the next several weeks, what does it take not only to survive, but thrive in the Christian life? We want to look at things like today, we're going to look at our personal life. But next week, we're going to look at our single life. For those of you who are uh, single in the Lord, um, whether it be uh, divorced or separated or happily single, uh, or just a young person, or you're engaged, whatever it may be, uh, that next Sunday, don't miss it. It's going to be for you. Bring all your single friends, uh, because we want to talk about that. The single, the personal life, your single life, then we're going to go into your married life, uh, family life, and parenting, and that family uh, situation. And then we're going to talk about the church life, and how do we go from surviving to thriving even in our church. So personal life, single life, uh, uh, the marital life, the family life, and our church life. How do we move from surviving and just getting by to thriving. Uh, and so I'm excited for this series this morning. Uh, you know, I like, um, I really do like survival TV shows. I loved uh, when they were on TV, the uh, Survivor Man and Bear Grylls and all that kind of stuff. And growing up, I was, uh, uh, I did a lot of camping with my dad and through our church and, and different things. And I went, on, I went all the way up. Uh, we, you know, Royal Rangers, which if you don't know what that is, it's like Boy Scouts through the church. Um, so we did all that all the way through, got all the badges and the merits and did all that. And I love survival camping. And we went on a few survival campouts and over the weekend, just take what you could on your backpack and go out there and sleep on the ground. And I love that. And even in college, I did that. And so I know that in my, my personal life, and while I've forgotten a lot of those things, that if I had a knife and a few basic supplies, I could survive the weekend. I don't mind building a straw mat and making a lean-to, and if the spiders crawl on you in the night or whatever, but probably not down here with Louisiana. You've got too many mosquitoes and snakes and all that. But I, lo- I love that. I love sleeping under the stars and, and, and being outside and all that. And I know I could survive for a few days, maybe a week or two. We could hunt off the land or whatever. But I know that I would not be thriving. Somebody say, Amen. Everybody's like, yeah, I don't know what's surviving. Uh, I wouldn't thrive. Eventually, if that was my life, eventually, while I may survive for a while, to thrive, I would have to learn how to build a house out of some trees. I'd have to learn how to gather water and dig a well and hopefully one day build a barn and have some chickens and some goats and, and different things like that. You'd have to learn eventually how to thrive. And I think that's the way sometimes we are in the Christian life. We get a, a little bit of a nugget to survive, but I find so many uh, Christians never really thriving because they just stay right there. And for so many, I even see that, uh, that we, we begin to fall away. I have so many Christians, they survive for a little bit because they never really begin to thrive, then they begin to fall back and fall away. And so 
survive, actually, the definition means to continue to exist or function, to exist or function in spite of adverse conditions. So that would be like me going to the woods, adverse conditions. I would at least survive the weekend with, an, with some camping gear, right? Uh, I could endure it. I could persist through it. But to thrive means to flourish, to succeed, uh, to prosper, to grow, to increase, to add to beyond and really be in that blooming place. So here's the question for us this week and, and, and even uh, in the next several weeks. What determines if you and I as a Christian not only endure the hardships of life, but thrive through them? What's going to matter in your life that if things begin to come your way, some things you can endure and you may get by for a season, but as it keeps coming, as it keeps coming, as it keeps coming, how well are you going to be continued to do that? But how can we go through these seasons and thrive And so we're going to talk about our personal life this morning. What is that? What does it mean when I say personal life? Your personal life, uh, the dictionaries say, is your personal choices that contribute to who I am, my identity. And each of us has uh, a personality. We have a character. We have a morality. We have behaviors. We have things that make us us, who I am, who is Heath Harris. That's my personal life. And really, my personal life is my private life, my me time. As a young father of a three-year-old, that is less and less, I've learned, and not one on the way. And so I'm expecting my me time to go away. But there's still a sense of who I am in my car, who I am throughout my day when I'm alone, what kind of a character of a person I am, and what is my relationship with other people, what is my relationship with God. That's all your personal life. That's your you, your you time. And so the struggle is, I find that, I'm not a good person, naturally, right? The Bible says we all sin, we all fall short, we're all messed up, we're all broken, none of us have got it all figured out together. Uh, And I know that, but even the Spirit comes in me as a Christian. The Bible says that God makes me a new person, changes the way I think. But if I read Romans 7, I realize, man, this old flesh, this old person, i got my personal life, my old person keeps trying to come back up. And no matter how much I try to kill that guy, he keeps coming back and ruining my life, ruining my personal time. I don't, I don't act the way I always want to act. I don't always think the way I always want to think. I don't have the attitude always that I want to have the attitude for. And so we're in this, this warfare, always in our personal life. Even, uh, you know, sometimes where it's a scary thing to be alone with your thoughts. Amen? Sometimes you're there and you're like, Man, what am, what's going on in my head? It's like this stuff going on. And so if you've ever fought for depression or loneliness or isolation, suicide thoughts, or, or maybe you just got a, a, had addictions in your life and these things have always been there waiting for you to have some downtime. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where you have some downtime, sometimes that's where the real battle begins. And so the struggle is this. I've found that in, in um, every Christian struggles. That's what I understand. Even the best of Christians struggle. Pastors struggle in their personal life. Everybody struggles. What I've found is over the years of ministry, uh, we don't talk about it so much. We don't share those struggles. And therefore, so many believers who are surviving never understand that you or me or all of us are going through the same thing. And so they never understand that they can not just survive, but they can thrive even in these struggles. And it's going to be okay. And so we're going to talk about how do we move from surviving to thriving, even the best Christian struggle. So how is your personal relationship with God today? What determines if you're going to get through grief, depression, or doubt? What determines if you're going to get through failure, addiction, abuse, persecution? And is it your, is it your Bible reading? 
that helps you get through? Is it your prayer time? Is it your church attendance? Is it your giving? Is it your witnessing? What is your how-to guide for survival? What is your how-to guide for survival? Look with me today in John chapter 15. We're going to be kind of in John 15 most of the day, but I'm going to throw some other scriptures out at you. But John chapter 15, verse 5. I think about all these things that have really helped me in my life, my prayer time, my Bible time, my church attendance, my small group, uh, being a part of a small group helped me tremendously as a young person. And uh, being in a youth group and being consistent and faithful in my church attendance and getting involved in ministry and, and being in discipleship, somebody pouring into my life. All those things are great and all those things are good. But Jesus always breaks it down to the heart. He always kind of brings it back home to a, the original place it all begins. And look with me, John 15, verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, abides in me, abides in me, abides in me. And I in him, he bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Here's what I want to tell us this morning. This is the th- thought I want you to leave home with, uh, leave to go home with today. Is that a Christian who can continually declare in your life, if you can continually say, my identity in Christ is intact. My identity in Christ is not shaken. You will not only survive the trials of life, you will thrive in them. If you can go through a situation in your life and come out on the other side and say, my personal identity in Christ is still intact, you're going to begin to thrive in those situations. Let me talk to you about how that works, okay? Uh, I'm going to talk to you about surviving and thriving, but there are three ways I want to look at this and not in a religious way. I want us to stay with Jesus back in the heart. You know, a man can live 40 days without food, uh, three days without water, Eight minutes without air. I don't think I would make it eight minutes. I'm thinking like one, two, maybe. But they say eight minutes without air, we can bring you back. But you can't live one second without Jesus Christ. You can't live one eternal second without Jesus Christ. Maybe there are things you can survive through in this life, but you can't actually live but with Jesus. Amen? I want to talk to you about uh, Him being our Lord, our Savior, and our friend. Our Lord, our Savior, and our friend. I'm going to take you through a journey here this morning to see how we can not only survive but thrive through these identities. Because I find that in my life, while those things like prayer and Bible reading and fasting and, and church attendance and small group attendance and accountability, all those things are vital to me. Jesus said simply, just be in me. Just be in relationship with me. This is the root of what's going to get us through these times, okay? So let's talk about these first one, and, and then we're under the category surviving this morning. But as I'm surviving, the first identity relationship I've got to have with Jesus Christ is Lord. In order to survive, I've got to know Him as Lord. I've got to have an identity with Him as Lord. So Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, that he said this, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, that I count all things to be in loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. Think about that just for a second. I count everything lost in view of knowing Jesus as Lord. Okay, as Lord. Everything, Paul says, I consider garbage in order that I might gain Christ. Okay, so to know Christ as Lord, what does that mean? It means to serve Him and it means to submit to Him. If Christ is Lord, then He is the supreme power. He is master. He is owner of everything. To, to know Christ is Lord 
the Bible dictionary says is to describe ascribe to him dignity, respect, honor, power and authority. It means that God, if he's my Lord, he possesses absolute control over my life, over my thought life, over my tongue, over what my hands touch, over where I work, what I do, what milk I buy at the grocery store. God is Lord over all. You say, Pastor Heath, is it really that radical? I think it is. I really think that's the problem we have because we understand, well, God is my Lord. Okay, yeah, I get it. But we, we don't really think, God, you are literally my everything. You possess authority over every decision that I make. And you think about a king and a servant. That's this relationship of Lord. The servant doesn't do anything without their Lord's approval. They live in their Lord's house. They do their Lord's dishes. They mow their Lord's lawn. They live under that under the governing of Him, over the security of Him. And to know Him as Lord is to serve Him and submit to Him. It means I, I repent of that sin, that rebellion, and I choose to serve Him and His kingdom, His will. And so it's giving Him dignity, respect, honor, power, authority, meaning that He possesses absolute control over my life. Now, I'd go even further to say, if you haven't gotten to that place, while it is a journey, it is a journey to get to that idea, that is the beginning of the Christian life. You cannot hold on to authority or control. That's, giving, that, that's not completing the act of salvation. It's to completely uh, give over control. And think about it this way. Who better to give over control in the middle of the storms of life than the guy who owns and controls the winds and the waves? Right? Amen? You with me this morning? Okay, good. You can help me preach this, okay? Uh, it's okay to say an amen every now and then. Who better to have control when life is out of control but Christ? Who better to have than the supreme master over the storms of my life than the one who has power over the winds and the waves? But look, in Luke chapter 6, he says, okay, if you understand that, you, you want me to be Lord and all that. He says in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, he says, why do you call me Lord then if you don't do what I say? Ouch. Why do you call me Lord then if you don't do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words acts on them. And I'll show you who he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock, which is him. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against the house and it couldn't be shaken. And that's because it had been well built. So if Jesus Christ is my Lord, I read the word of God and I do what it says. The best Christians just simply, it doesn't, it's not complicated. It's not confusing. It's literally be radical enough that he says, turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. He says, go the extra mile. Go the extra mile. He says, uh, do unto others. Do unto others. I mean, it literally is that simple. This is what he says. That's what I do. But what happens is I, in my personal life, and my brokenness, and my messed upness, I still try to control me. I still try to rule me. I still try to have ownership of me. But if I want to thrive and not just survive this life, I've got to continually say, God, you can have all of me. God, you can have all of me. And, it's, and I could give you the 10 best help guides, the best Bible studies. I could give you the best resources and iPads and on the best uh, Internet podcasts. I could give you everything. But unless you've made Jesus Christ Lord, it's all for nothing. Amen? 
And so today we can have so many uh, uh, young people and old people still going to the latest trends of the world. We can I can give you the I could say, hey, sit down and pray one hour a day in the morning. I could say, don't go to those places, but go to these places. We could change the way we dress and act. And but if he is never Lord of this right here inside of me. It will never get you to a place from surviving to thriving. You may make heaven, but you may not thrive on the journey there. Amen? You may, you may have made those initial statements to say, yes, God, I repent. I, I know who Jesus is. I understand that He's the King, and I understand He died on the cross. But is He your Lord? Does He got all of you? If Christ is my Lord, I read His words, I act. And here's the cool part. If Christ is my Lord, it says in the day of trouble, I will not be shaken. When the storms of life come, if he's my Lord, if I'm doing what he's saying, I will not be shaken. I won't be overcome. I'll not just survive, but I will thrive. Right. And so I'm going to endure all things. This is the number one foundation today. If you want to survive all hardships in your life. And I, I seriously, church, I find this over and over and over again. I find a, a, a believer who will come to me and or actually I won't even come to me. Honestly, they'll normally I'll find out later that they've given up on church. They've given up on their family. They've given up on God. What happened? They never had him continually be Lord in those hard hardships. The floods coming, the floods around him, the personal life is going out of whack. But that person in their personal life, there's an area, there's a nugget of something. They said, I don't give you control in this area. I still choose to handle my finances. I still choose to handle my relationships. I still choose to handle my anger or my unforgiveness. I still choose to handle my lust or my relationship with my wife or my husband. I still choose to handle those issues. What comes is when the endurance of this world, the hardships of this world comes, the flood comes, they will not survive because he says, if I'm the Lord, you'll do what I say. And when the flood's coming, you'll survive it. Amen. Okay, so there's the first identity. There's the first identity. If I want to, uh, if my identity is still intact when the flood of life comes, if I can go through that flood and say Jesus Christ is still my Lord, the Bible says you'll survive that flood. The second thing is moving on from that part. That's the beginning of the Christian life. So He's my Lord. The secondly, He's my Savior. He's my Savior. This is the next identity that we have to have. I must have a relationship with Him as my Savior. Romans ten thirteen says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. So I call on the Lord, that's the first one, who then becomes my Savior, okay? So I've submitted my life to Him in repentance. That's kind of how it works, the first one. I submit myself to Him, all of me, and it's going to be a process forever and ever and ever. And then He becomes my Savior. The Lord becomes my Savior. This is the gospel message, that there's salvation through a Savior, a Messiah, a Christ, Jesus and actually, the word Savior comes from some words that we can kind of pull together that mean uh, Savior is a deliverer. Savior is a preserver. He's a healer. He's a provider. He's a life giver. OK, and so if Jesus is my Savior, then what am I? I'm the saved, right? He's the saver. I'm the savee. And the Bible calls us the redeemed. We've been redeemed, ransomed out of hell, saved out of the pit. And therefore, I become a worshiper. Okay, so the, these are the identities. The first one is Lord and servant. Now it's Savior and redeemed or Savior and worshiper. So I know him first as servant. I'm his servant. And now I'm knowing him as a worshiper. You know, many, though, can still know this. 
and not remain a Christian through the trials of life. Even some of the best churchgoers, even some of my closest friends and leaders have fallen short, have fallen away in the middle of these storms. Even the, some of the best churchgoers. Scripture says, though, that he saves us because he is gracious. But the means of this salvation is by faith, it says in Ephesians 2.8. So he saves us by his grace through our faith. And so this, what does this mean? In order to survive these floods of life, I must continually trust that he's my savior. Now here, let me pause for a second, give you an idea, understanding a little bit for what goes in my head. When I think about this, I think about the Coast Guard rescue swimmers that say, if you get out there in the Gulf of uh, Mexico, uh, south of New Orleans, you're out there in the middle of in the boat, and you fall off and the Coast Guard comes and a helicopter and a rescue swimmer comes down. He is my savior, okay? I crying out, help me, I'm in the middle of shark-infested waters and the cruise ships won't stop to save me, okay? And, then, and, and, he's, and he's coming to save me. And he comes and he says, and, and you better believe if this guy saves me, what am I going to continue to do for this guy? I'm going to praise his name when I get on that chopper, right? I'm going to be a worshiper of that Coast Guard rescue swimmer. But here's what I know. You know what they train Coast Guard rescue swimmers to do? Because sometimes when we get in a saving mode, we get a little bit panicky. And so we're out in there and they're flailing around. And some of these guys begin to drown that Coast Guard rescue swimmer. Right. You ever seen this before? And they're like, help me, help me, help me, save me, save me, save me. What do they do? Sometimes they actually knock them out or they will grab them in a certain way and put them on that chopper because they are their worst enemy for trying to get saved. Now, if that doesn't preach, I don't know what does. Because sometimes Jesus is trying to save me, but I'm so busy still trying to save myself. Mm, I'm not doing what he says to do. And so here's what happens. Jesus Christ comes to save me in my life. And then I begin to fight him on it. I begin to kind of help him out a little bit with saving me. Okay, here's how I know you should save me. Let me tell you how I can get up on this helicopter. Okay, just put me. No, and he's saying, just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. It's called faith. I have to trust that guy to save my life. Why? Because he's better at it than I am. I surrender by faith to the one who's saving me. So when Jesus Christ comes to save my soul, he says, okay, God, I'm going to let you save my soul. But then the storms of life come. And what happens? I start trying to save myself. By f- I'm not having faith in him. That, that, that depression comes. Well, I start figuring out how to get out of it myself. That financial r- issue comes. I start trying to figure out how to get out of it by myself. But uh, th- that issue with my kids, the issue with my finances, all these things begin to come And in John chapter 8, verse 24, he says, For unless you believe I am He, the Savior, you'll die in your sins. In the midst of my trials in life, I've got to continue to believe He's not just a Savior, He's my Savior. He's not just a Savior, He's my Savior. In my weakness, I believe He's still my Redeemer. He's my deliverer. He's still my healer. He's still my preserver. He's still my provider. He's still my life giver. And so in the middle of it all, I say, Jesus, yes, I want you to save me. But when those issues come, I say, yes, I still have faith. You're still the one saving me. Yes, God, you're still the one saving me in this this season of my life, in this flood, in this storm of my life, in my personal life, whatever I'm going, I'm trying to get through and just survive and get by today, Jesus. I'm still having faith 
that your grace is sufficient for me. So don't try to save yourself every day. Let Jesus continue to do it. If he's your savior at the beginning of salvation, he's your savior for your finances, for your marriage, for your relationships, for your addictions, for your depression. All these things you have to still have faith. He says, I'm saving you by grace through your faith that I am who I say I am. And that faith doesn't just be initial faith at salvation. It's a continual faith throughout your whole life that I'm still in the process of being saved by Jesus and I'm not fighting to keep saving myself. I just trust him. Let it go and say, God, yep, if you can save my eternal soul, God, you got this. Amen. Amen. So that's the savior part. He's my preserver, my deliverer, my provider. So are you able to endure all things today? How do you push through and still keep your identity intact? What does it take to survive the hardships of your life? Peter said it this way in Second Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 18. He says, uh, how in the world, what do you, you got to do to survive this? He says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you want to get through the trials of life and survive them, Endure through them, live through them, the things that come up in your personal life every day. It's not just Bible reading, it's not just prayer, it's not just going to church. Well, those are all great things. It's coming out on the other side and saying, my identity, as Jesus is my Lord, I'm his servant, is intact. It's coming through those storms of life and saying, Jesus is my Savior, and I'm his worshiper. I'm still the redeemed. I'm just given by faith over to him. God, you can do this. Amen? That's your Christian survival training. When you feel like giving up, when your endurance is lacking, just remember, I serve him as Lord. I have faith in him as Savior. And no matter if Bible reading or prayer or church attendance or giving uh, come before those two identities, and it's really to say it this way, don't let religion be the measure of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't let religion be the measure of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Get a revelation of who he is and who you are in him. Grow increasingly in that knowledge of who he is and who you are, and you will survive every single storm of life. All the other stuff will come after that. Bible reading, prayer, church attendance, giving. All that comes after that. But you cannot do all that first. It's my identity in who he is. I trust him. I give over everything to him. And that's surviving. Now, how do you go through thriving? Thriving. What does it mean to thrive? To flourish, to bloom, to, to prosper, to increase. Having this revelation first as Lord and Savior now builds upon this next revelation. Okay, are you with me this morning? Somebody say amen. Okay, so I know Him as Lord and Savior. Now I'm ready to thrive. I'm ready to thrive. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to thrive. Thriving produces great things in your life. And turn with me at Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, because if you want a, a, a refrigerator magnet to say something, uh, I think it should say this first. And I think this is what you should put on your refrigerator this week if you're in a place, I'm just surviving, but I'm ready to thrive, okay? Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, and we're going to come back to John 15. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Peter says it this way. His divine power has granted to us everything. Somebody say everything. Everything. His divine power has granted us everything pertaining to what? Life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him. Okay, pause. God's power has granted me everything I need to live a godly life. Do you believe that today? 
God's power has given you everything, not just to survive, but to thrive through this world. It's not just to get by, oh, woe is me, I'm making it, Pastor. You know, no, 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 no. God has given you everything heaven has to offer for you to live an abundant life. That's what he said. I came to give life and life abundantly. I'm, I'm giving you everything to not just survive, but in the midst of persecution, you can still rejoice in him. In the midst of trials and tribulations and loss and regret and, and all these things, you can still have a joyful, upright heart. Right? Isn't that what scripture says? How? Through the true knowledge of who he is. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's my friend. Thriving in the old Norse original meaning in the old, uh, old English, it actually means to grasp or get a hold of. I like that. Well, it means blooming and prospering. It means literally to grasp and get a hold of. I don't know about you, but I want to get a hold of a deeper revelation of who Jesus is. I want to grasp a hold of him and not let go and say, God, I know, I want to know who you are. God, I want to see you and all that you are. God, I want to get a, a deeper place with you. I want to have a revelation of you. God, that you are my everything. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. And Jesus says, John 15, or his friends. Look there with me. John 15, verse 12. So Peter says, hey, divine power gives you everything to live that life you're supposed to be living. And it's through a knowledge of who he is. So we just learned him as Lord. We just learned him as Savior. Both go in hand in hand. One's about serving him. One's about having faith in him. And this one's about friendship. Jesus says it this way. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Because this is already in the context of the Lord one, all right? So no longer do I call you slaves, for the slave doesn't know what his master's doing. But I call you friends, because all things I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. How do you measure your relationship with your best friend? Anybody have a best friend that they think you're their best friend, but you don't think they're your best friend, right? That one of you thinks, that's my best friend. The other one's like, sure, we hang out some. <laughs> Anybody ever had a friend like that before? Uh how do you measure your relationship with your best friend? You know, over the years, I've got a few best friends over the years, and uh, not everybody who knows my birthday uh, or tells me happy birthday or has even come to any of my birthdays is my best friend. True or false, right? They say it on Facebook, happy birthday, doesn't mean they're your best friend, right? You go to church on Christmas, doesn't mean you're Jesus' best friend. I'm just saying. You can send him all the birthday cards and evites and all that you want. Don't mean just because you send me a birthday card is you're my best friend, Right? Okay. All right. Secondly, nobody ever became my best friend by accident. Nobody just showed up at my house one day and said, hey, we're going to be buds. Be like, get out of my house because I don't know who you are. Right. You come up to heaven one day and you just say, Jesus, hey, we've been buds all my life. And he says, do we go? F- I don't remember. I, I didn't catch that memo. I mean, you know, like, okay, so there's that. It didn't happen by accident. You don't just become best friends with Jesus by accident. People I've had best friends with, we've had stuff in common. We've spent countless hours together. We've had fun together. We've laughed together. We've cried together, shared some secrets together, our fears. And thirdly, in the most difficult times of life, we were there for one another. In the most difficult times of life, even when we failed one another, we chose to forgive one another and move on. Right? Some people got to hang up with God. They still had to let some things go. True? I'm still mad at God about that one thing. Well, get over it. Go talk to him. Make amends. Right? Uh, even now, with all my best friends in other states, 
we still communicate on a regular basis. I talk to my best friends. And if I ever feel that my friendship with one of them is lacking, you know what I do? You know, I really talked to so-and-so in a while. Let me call them. Right? There's a desire. And it doesn't happen because of these rules. They didn't go to uh, uh, best friend school. I didn't go get my degree in best friendship. I didn't sign a contract when I began in a relationship with my best friend. It just happened because I like them. And they like me. And we put some effort into it. And a lot of years went by, and guess what? We became best friends. Let me tell you something. Some people want to be best friends with, they want Jesus to be best friends with them, but they don't want to be best friends with Jesus because it don't just happen. Amen? And so Jesus says, I'm calling you friends now, so that should mean something. When somebody that's really cool in school called you friend, you're like, hey, hey, I get to sit at the cool table today, right? You had this awesomeness, this relationship that you were proud of. And we should be proud of Jesus says, if you do what I say, if we're in this relationship together, I'm going to be a friend to you and you're going to be a friend to me. And so friendship is reciprocal. It's based on communication, trust and love. It's not about the do's or don'ts. It's a matter of your heart. It's because who he is and who you are. It's not about the do's and don'ts, church. Those all come in friendship. I don't do this with my friend. I don't do that to my friend. I don't do that in spite of my friend. Not because I had agreed to the do's and don'ts, because I love him or her, right? Same thing in a marriage. It's not about, did you promise when you got married not to X, Y, Z, elemental P? No, you said, I do until death do her part to give up my life for him or her because I love them, Right? And so it's not a contract anymore. So many Christians are in a contract relationship with God. God, if you bless me, I'll go to church. God, if I tithe and you give me more money, then I'll continue to love you and trust you. God, if I, if I get healed of this sickness, God, then, then I'll continue to praise your name. No, 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 no. I don't have any contractual agreements with my best friends. We just simply are best friends. Sometimes we don't even have to talk about why we're best friends. We don't even know how we ended up there. Start off with Legos in the backyard, probably, or something like that, right? So the problem is many want Jesus to be their best friend, but they don't want to be his best friend. What does it mean to be a friend? I just gave you three words. Communicate, trust, and love. I'm going to close you and end it with these. Friends communicate. Church, it's not about church attendance. Well, you should do that. It's not about prayer times. Well, please, every day, please pray a lot, okay? Pray without ceasing. Friends communicate, though. It's not about a rule. I didn't sign up an agreement when I said uh, to, to, to my friend Joseph, who's in Missouri, he's a youth pastor. And I didn't say, Joseph, every Thursday from 4 to 5, we're going to talk, okay, for the rest of our life. No, I just talk. We just call. We just feel. We just do it. It's a matter of the heart. Think about Enoch. The Bible says he walked with God 300 years and poof, he was no more. God took him. What kind of a relationship did they have? What kind of a, uh, an, a, they didn't have any agreements or contracts it was just simply they enjoyed each other's company. And God enjoyed him so much, he took him. Whew. One day God's going to just say, I'm ready for you to come home. Yeah. Amen? I'm ready for you. Man, I've been waiting for an eternity to see you in heaven with me. I knew you before you were ever born. I've been thinking about you every day and every night. I've been trying to talk to you in your sleep. I've been whispering things over you. The Bible says I sing songs of deliverance over you. I want the best for you. And one day, man... Let's go fishing on the sea of crystal sea or crystal glass. You know, like, let's do something. Let's be together for an eternity. That's God's heart for you. Why wouldn't you want to talk to a guy like that? Why wouldn't you want to spend more time with him? So friends communicate. The Bible says we live and we walk in the spirit if we're Christians, that we pray without ceasing. 
You know, the Pharisees prayed every day, but they never knew God. We've got to be praying prayers that reach heaven. Amen. We've got to pray prayer that reaches heaven. Friends communicate. Friends trust. Secondly, friends trust. Trust is to have faith in him. So I already had faith in him as Savior, and this is taken to a whole new level. I have faith in my friend. Think about Abraham who believed God and his righteousness, believed all of God's promise. The Bible says Abraham was called the friend, the friend of God as an example to us. Think about this guy trusted God enough that even if he killed his only son, God would raise him up. Even still, he would raise up Isaac. He said, yes, God, I'll, I'll slay my son. I'll kill him. And I know that you, I love you enough. I trust you enough, God. You'll raise him back up again. How's my trust relationship with God? Do I trust that God's going to catch me when I fall? Do I trust him if God says, take a leap of faith, I'm going to catch you, you're going to do it? How many people have done some stupid things with your friends because they said so? Right? Over the years, you took that leap on that four wheeler across that ditch or whatever it was, or uh, you, you, you bought that outfit you shouldn't have bought because they said so. I don't know what it is. You trusted them, though, in their advice. Do I trust what he says is best for my life? He says, give up that unforgiveness because it's just a cancer to you. Let me have it. He says, give me that, that hobby, that, that thing. Give me, put me first in your life. Trust me, I know the best way for you. Trust him. Friends communicate. Friends trust. Friends love. Friends love. I think about Peter, who had all the religious things down pat. He was a religious guy, knew God, knew, loved the Bible, loved God and, and, and Israel and patriotic and all this kind of stuff. Comes and follows Jesus. Jesus rebukes him all kinds of times and and, and he ends up denying him. And then God, resto- Jesus restores him three times over. And it was that love when he saw that this guy died on the cross for me. This guy forgave me over and over again. And he walked with me and he talked with me. And, and yet he'd still want me after this. And he filled me with the Holy Spirit. Changed Peter's life forever. It was that moment where Peter's like, yes, Jesus I love you with a love that's endless. How's my relationship with God today? The greatest love is reserved for those best of friends. And Jesus ended all this in that John chapter 15 chapter we started with, and he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to bear fruit. You see, by being a friend of Jesus is a natural thing that, produces a thriving, fruitful life. It is going to produce a life of love and joy and peace and patience and happiness and self-control, goodness, all these things it's going to naturally produce in our lives because that's what it's like to be friends with Jesus. So as I go through the seasons of my life, how do I have a relationship with him as Jesus, as Lord, Savior, and friend? And I'll end with this. Some people get confused because they want Jesus to be friend and buddy-buddy. They forget He's still Jesus. If uh, you're here today and you are down in Baton Rouge in Louisiana and the governor, you know, the floods are coming, or New Orleans, a hurricane or whatever, and uh, the governor, you and him are grew up in high school together and, and you've eaten at his house a few times, you could say that you guys are friends. You were friends growing up, but he became the governor. And one day... On that flood's coming, he builds a levee around your house for you. Now, here's the thing. He saved your house. He's your friend, but he's still the governor. I still abide by the laws of the state, even though I eat at the table of the governor, and he saved my house. 
See, Jesus can still be all three. Just because he's your friend doesn't mean he's not your Lord. And just because he's your Savior doesn't mean he's not your Lord or he's not your friend. They all three can work together intricately. I don't want to stay just at Jesus Lord. I move to Jesus Savior and I move to Jesus friend. But I don't forget the other two. He's still my friend, but I'm a friend of the King. Being Jesus' friend doesn't make me equal with him. I'm still submissive, submissive to him. I'm still thankful of him as a worshiper. And so when you go through the storms of life, maybe it's tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up and a storm's going to hit your house, going to hit your personal life. And you're saying, Pastor, how do I get through in my personal time? You say, I know I need to get more prayer time. I need to get more Bible reading time. I need to get more fasting. I need to be better as a person, me alone by myself. I need to be better because I'm just surviving right now and I'm not thriving. Well, I want to tell you, you need to pray an hour a day. You need to read a chapter of the Bible every day. You need to go to church as often as humanly possible. You need to be involved in a small group. You probably ought to think about fasting. You probably ought to get some other things out of your life, like turn off the TV and go spend some alone time with God. I could tell you all that, and all that be true. But the thing that's going to actually get you through those storms of life is, is your identity intact? Is Jesus your Lord? Is Jesus your Savior? And are you Jesus' friend? You see, I survive because he's my Lord. I survive because he's my Savior. I thrive because I'm his friend. I want us to move from surviving to thriving. I want to be a better friend of Jesus. How many would agree with me today? I want to be a better friend of Jesus. Amen. Worship team, would you come? Every head bowed. Let's just pray together, church, as we close today.